so it's called I'm All Ears. Yep. Yeah, it's on now. Yep. Uh, testing out the sound. <laughs> the guest needs to do the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of a bit like what Josh Earl does. He asks you to tell... tell uh... Oh, okay, mate. None of my ideas are original. <laughs> nah, I'm good. Welcome to I'm All Ears, is what the show is now called. Uh, Goxie, we agreed on a name. Yep. We... Oh, actually, tell them the truth. I won the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked Solo out, and no, nah, nah, I'm not gonna. Um, a better fighter. Uh, I, don't, I haven't been in a fight in a long time. That would be a weird fight, you and <laughs> yeah. me. I don't, I don't know if people would really get that matchup. Um, but uh, we're back. We we have recorded one episode, which we pilot epi- episode zero zero, and we're back with zero zero one. Yeah. Whereas we're tri- no, it's, very, it's very confident of you, Solo, to, to add in two two zeros. That, like it's gonna. Yeah, hopefully well, get, to, hopefully get over, digits. get to ten. <laughs> you don't, you don't want it to be zero, 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 one. So, yeah, so um, we might get to a thousand apps. Yeah, I think a hundred will be. We'll get there. Um, Maybe it's like a you know in a car where it restarts the mic. Yeah, <laughs> tripometer. Well, we could have we, we could do seasons. Yeah. Um, well, before we go too much further, we should welcome our guest today, um, Daniel Connell. Thank you for joining Woo! us. G'day, fellas. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah. Um, episode 001. <laughs> what an See, honor. He yeah. believes in us. <laughs> I'm actually uh, very excited to have Dan on, um, mainly because he was the only guest that said yes. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, uh, he is a favorite of mine uh, when I first... Uh, I'm fanboying here a bit, but when I first started touring into state... And I came down, and uh, he was one of the guys that really took me under his wing, and also a fantastic comedian. So yeah, uh, this is awesome to have you, Dan. Thank you very much, buddy. Pleasure, Goxie. Absolute great to see you kicking goals, do you, mate. Do you, <laughs> do you remember that sort of era? I do. Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what were your thoughts briefly, like what on was, you, or just on what year are same? we talking here? Probably Goxie. talking I think it's like sort of. 2013, that sort of Yeah, 2013, I reckon. We're bloody yeah, old bloke. We've been in this game a while. <laughs> yeah, 2013, maybe 14. How long, um, how long have you been going for? Uh, just gone 11 years. Wow. Yeah. We've probably got a similar mm. similar trajectory. Yeah. Cut, cut our teeth in the in the small towns up north <laughs> and then move down to the big smoke. But uh, what, what, did, um, what did you think? Can you tell us a bit about like the move, the big move for you? Was it like? Well, yeah, I was in um, I was in Canberra at the time, so I started comedy in Canberra, where the scene is great and was great and still is. Uh, it was really tight knit, only about fifteen comics total. And Sta- started there. by uh, Jeff Setti. Jeff was up there at the time yeah. when I was there. Yeah, there was a few guys that were before him mm. um, that had started rooms, but Jeff was running rooms when I started. There's probably four gigs you could do. Is it, is it hard to compete there with with the clowns in Parliament? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, please, please don't, please don't uh, unsubscribe. There won't be this too is many. This not a political. Podcast. Yeah, it won't be too many political gear like that. You've just lost. You had 25 tuned in and you've just lost five, mate. Um, <laughs> oh damn. Yeah, it was good, but I, obviously I did 12 months there and then I wanted to come here. Uh, I did about only did about 30 gigs in that first year. And then I'd been here for 2009 Comedy Festival. I came down to watch mm. and just thought, fuck, how good living in Melbourne be? Like, yeah. Like a lot of us, you, you start as a fan and then you... Mm. With me and Solo were talking about this, I think, in the pilot about how um, a lot of us don't even know that this kind of local scene kind of exists. Like, yeah. you start obviously watching your, your Carl Barons and all that on... Well, on I think TV. I only definitely found out 
through like podcasts and stuff that there was like open mics. Mm. And I suppose they haven't really existed in Melbourne for that long. No, well, comedy in general has only really, really kicked off in the late 70s, early 80s. And, yeah. you know, in, in Melbourne, that, you know, it's such a new thing. Stand-up is so new to Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so I, I did the old, the classic, like, pack the car up, so, everything I owned in my car and, and drove down. I knew one mate here, he was from school, and he was doing the army down here, so I lived with him and just, uh, I, I kind of wanted to go home for about six, eight months. Yeah, it, it is tough yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... Did you have so, many comedy mates or did met, that take a while? Yeah, no, I met a few guys straight. There was a few – Melbourne gets a lot of people from interstate and mm. a lot of guys just taking a punt or people moving here for other work and end up trying stand-up. So I met like guys like Pete Sharkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were around and really nice to me when I first came. Pete was co-running Spleen. Oh, yep. Uh, with Carl and still Carl Chandler and still Saunders. So um, Pete and Pete lived over my side of town, so we'd catch up a fair bit. Uh, and then you just slowly meet different people and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of guys actually that I knew then that have, have since got out of the scene like uh, it seems like you know back then if 50 were starting every year maybe 15 were yeah. finishing the year off there still is, doing it there's a huge turnover mm. we've seen a lot come and go haven't we <laughs> we're the true survivors but um and um, so was Melbourne kind of was it was it was it a, much of a decision like Melbourne or Sydney or because a lot of us uh, from from the non-Melbourne or Sydney cities and states, we, we kind of, they're very similar, aren't you? Mm. You toss it up. I ended up choosing Melbourne just because um, I'd, I'd done a lot more here and, and knew a lot more people and, yeah, and got a bit of family. Yeah, a few different reasons. Got yeah. some family as well. How about for you? Was it kind I, of- I had spent, I, I grew up in a place called Batemans Bay, which is about two on, oh, about three hours south of Sydney. So I spent... And my dad's from Sydney, so I spent a lot of my childhood in Sydney. Mm. All the time we were there for holidays, seeing family. So I knew Sydney in and out, and I just I liked it, but I I just wanted a different. Mm. I, I'd never been to Melbourne. I'd never. Yeah. I came here for two thousand nine comedy festival. I'd never been uh, for anything really. Um, I didn't know anything about it. And what what were you a fan of when you came down here for two thousand and nine comedy festival? Like who were you seeing back then, or who did you like? Who did I see? I saw. Uh, Guy called Reginald, Reginald D. Hunter. I saw oh, him. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it was yeah. kind of his first time coming here from uh, his American buyer, London. He, uh, he was fantastic. Um, did I see local acts? I can't remember who I saw. We went to the gala. We went to the two thousand nine gala Ooh. and just wa- and then watched um, a bunch of other shows around. I saw Jack Drews in two thousand and nine. He was really? like sixteen or fifteen or something. Yeah, doing a show in Town Hall. Old mate Drusy, so that was pretty cool. And uh, when you start seeing those full shows, it really opens your eyes to like there's a whole more because you you know about that the local gig where there's a host, a headline of three or four acts, but when you start seeing those festival shows, you know, like hour long sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a whole different kettle of fish. It's ter- it's when you first see it, it's terrifying, thinking that you have to be on stage for an hour. Mm. Um, but yeah, once I stayed down here for a bit, I, I probably was two or three late years later that I did my first solo show, 50 minutes. Um, but yeah, I was, re- I was really happy I chose Melbourne in the end. Once I got over the homesickness and sort of settled into the scene, it took a good four or five years of like proper, like going to every gig, even when mm. I wasn't on, just meeting room runners and just going, watching a whole show without being on and staying to meet the person that run yeah. it and get your name down. And there's a lot of that for about five years, I reckon, and just hustling and 
getting around town. Because it can really spur you on when you get to this new city. Yeah. And even like, again, I'll fanboy a bit with you, but like, I was not trying to say we were similar, but I like to think uh, some of what I was doing had a bit of subtlety to it, where yeah. a lot of acts at the time were kind of, uh, you know, that like, like hit you over the head with it. Like, right. yeah. really like, um, I'm doing physical action and no one can see but <laughs> when we save up money we'll, we'll video these guys. Um, no I was just trying to say like yeah just a bit of subtlety where you know what I mean and yeah. um, and I saw that I'm like oh cool like that can that can work down here and, and it was an exciting time for me because um, yeah like um, you and a few people took me under their wing and um, gave me some encouragement and then I returned to Brisbane no one gave a shit so <laughs> that was nice I'm like you can't really return back to your hometown and be like I'm a big deal in the yeah. b- down there yeah. not a big deal but like people respect me in the big smoke and yeah. they're like sign up for your five like yeah. and it was pretty brutal you, you came up a bit I, th- I, I used to um, I remember meeting you when um, you're going to do the, the cruise ship once. I don't know if you remember. Oh, that. yeah, you come pick me up. Yeah, yeah. Took, I took him to Hungry Jacks for picking me up. Yeah. The ship. Yeah, that was nice. I still remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never, never forget, forget that. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's um, when, I, when I first moved here uh, and I was doing all the gigs and just trying to get something happening, I think. If you ever move away from a place and you, whether it's music or comedy and you want to give something a go, have a really shit job, have a really shit day job. I had, I was doing call center work yeah. and I couldn't have hated it anymore. So it's just spurred me on to work harder at stand up. Like I just. I was, I was waiting for the, the, um, that's it at the end where you say the, the reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> just like, no, just have a shit job. That's, yeah. no, no, that is good. Yeah. Um, I, um, with all my shit that was going on at home, sort of got divorced and stuff and, and had the kids and all that. And it was a really tough time, but that was what made me like, all right, let's knuckle down and make this comedy happen sort of thing. Yeah. So basically, happy people don't go anywhere. No, <laughs> no, no, I'm mucking but around. But I, yeah. I guess having the shit job, it kind of gives you that mental space or that drive to... You, you you spend so many hours at that shit job, you really got to make the most of your time outside of that. Yeah. Was that part of it for you as well? Absolutely, yeah. And and you you get spoken to by your manager for underperforming or something, you're just like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I just don't want to be here. Uh, I probably am underperforming, but I, just, yeah. I, I want to have a job where I'm my own boss. And Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just... You, if you got a, like, if you can find a call center job, I would recommend. If you move to a new city, get a call center job with your new, you know, what your and passion also, is, music or yeah. comedy or acting or whatever, and then it'll push you fucking very hard. Don't <laughs> well, worry about that. I've spoken about that with a few people about how, um, kind of, and this is what this pod's meant to be about. Kind of like I call it a past life, not in a way of like you're a ghost or anything. <laughs> or, What's that Buddhist thing called um, when you come back as something? I don't know if it's Buddhist. Reincarnation. Yeah, that's it. This is why I need so He's like a dictionary for me. Google. Yeah, but like, um, I call it a past life. It's not really, but um, like a job you did in the past or something that keeps you in good stead. Because I had all these shitty jobs. And now when comedy gets a bit tough, I'm not like, oh, that keeps me in good stead. Because it's like, oh, just remember the shitty past life you had doing labouring and taxi driving and stuff. Yeah, you know, makes you appreciate what yeah. you've got. Yeah, because I've filmed a few things. And I love doing it, acting and whatever. I'm not trying to like 
take right. your own helmet. Tell us about him. Mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> bloody, you know. But, but like, it's fun. I enjoy it. But at the same time, you do do a lot of takes. You do, like, take take 10, take 11. Yeah. You know how maths works. But it does get pretty hard. But then, yeah, I just think, oh, okay, compared to sweating in a warehouse or driving fuckheads around in a taxi, mm. it's not too bad. So mm. thanks for that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> That's just why I brought you on here, just to, like, yeah. Did you ever have another career that you wanted to do or anything like that? Or oh, was it always comedy for you? NRL player. NRL player, <laughs> probably from about 8 to 12, I thought I'd play uh, footy professionally. And then well, that what was your posse, mate? Uh, I was kind of went from front row to back row to centre. It was my oh. sort of progression. And then... Mr. Fix-It, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it went tall, was tall, so, you know, you're just constantly getting put in the forwards. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was a chef after school, okay. but I only did I only did that just to do something. I didn't I had no passion for food whatsoever, yeah. and I did that for five years. And I by the end of it, I I hated it. Um, and I I admire anybody that has a passion for food. Like <laughs> it is. Uh, you still use a, a few of your tips at home. That you yeah, pick, um, yeah. You like I can cook for myself now and make a nice dish if I'm in the mood. But very rarely do I feel like cooking something. Like Christmas time, I do. I, I like getting some fresh seafood and making like a nice marinara or something. Nice. But fuck it. Like I was doing. Uh, the main part of my chefing was in a place called Jindabyne in New South Wales, which is oh, yeah. Australia's New South Wales ski fields. There's Perisher Threadbow nearby. So I worked in a camp for kids, sport and recreation. And I'd do like 4.30 a.m. till Ooh. 9 a.m. and then come back Original. come back at 5 p.m. till like 10 p.m. to split shifts, living on site. I remember just trudging through paddocks, frozen paddocks, like 4 a.m. in the morning. It's minus 15 outside, God. middle of winter. Walking past kangaroos with snow on their back, looking at me like, "What the fuck are you doing, mate? Why are you out? Where are you going?" They are judgmental as yeah. doing kangaroos. Um, <laughs> in my checkered pants, off to the kitchen. Yeah, it was. Um, well, then, see, Hospo seems to be in opposition to co- the comedy lifestyle as well, because anyone that's working at a bar or anything like that, you know, that the hours when you should be doing that is when it's most popular for comedy. So, yeah, absolutely, and. I like I met some great people. I've still got some really good mates out of it, um, but I'm, yeah, I couldn't do anything like that now. Like, mm. it, yeah, it's it was the. I actually look back on it now and think, well, <laughs> why did I do that? Like, what <laughs> what made me sign up to the course at TAFE, do the classes, and then look for a kitchen? I was just and um, it's weird. Was it? Sta- uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry man. As stand ups, um, you know, we all get the cliche sort of same sort of questions and. But one thing we get asked about is like, it must feel great to hear that laughter. And I always say, yeah, it does. A few times I've heard it. No, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'll get a few laughs. No. <laughs> but like, when you talk about that, I was just going to say, like, um, being a chef, it would be, there'd be none of that really. Like, you get your pay, that's nice. But, mm. you know, you make it, send it out, and then the waiter gets the credit or the, or the restaurant, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So well, you must be loving this, like, feedback. <laughs> To hear yeah. the laughter now, you know. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I guess um, I was never. Uh, I was pretty shy. Like I, I had, you know, I was fine for friends and everything. I wasn't like a in my mm. room playing computer games or anything. I played a lot of sports and had mates, but I, I never was looking for that sort of validation. And I kind of knew I, from about fifteen, I thought I'd do stand up one day. But mm. when I was chefing, I was writing jokes at the time that turned out to be terrible when I first started stand-up. They were horrific. <laughs> but, uh, 
But I, um, yeah, it just took me sort of five or six years getting to my mid-20s to get the guts to do it. And then I didn't really understand the that rush you get from people reacting yeah. to something you do until I started stand-up. So that then, mm. that, then that feeling sort of fueled the stand-up and made but, me love it more. Yeah, because you do have that those type of comics where the jokes came first and then there's some who are more the showy type that want to be seen and that, you know? Yeah, some people definitely want to be famous or want to be... Um, want to be yeah noticed or you know you want to use it as like a stepping stone to like acting or yeah yeah being a presenter or something like that yeah or just like the idea of people seeing Mm. them on stage doing well i guess yeah Um, where do you think you got that idea to start like writing jokes was it just that you were funny around your friends yeah yeah i i got told by a few friends in high school that i should do it but there's, in Bateman's Bay, there was no avenue to do it. I, mm. I think Class Clowns had started then and, and Roar and things like that, but I didn't. it never came to our town and we didn't know how to find it. And I, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have had the guts to do it anyway. Yeah. I used to do the cricket report. I was vice-captain of the cricket team and my mm. mate was captain and he'd never come in. He'd always wag the day we had to do the year 12, how we <laughs> played the week before, yeah. and I'd have to do it and I would be terrified, like... Even though I had good figures and I scored a few runs, not happy, not not upset to tell people about that. But I was just in yeah. front of six hundred school kids. Fuck that! Like it was yeah. my worst nightmare. Well, it is totally different, isn't it? Because yeah. you see um, athletes who get nervous with a mic in front of them, and yeah, and I imagine you out in the field, you're cutting, <laughs> throwing dummies and <laughs> palming people off, but not thinking about the audience watching. You know? Yeah. You get. A few, few people down to watch you at those games and uh, yeah the school school games were good all the, the uh, school used to come and watch us play uh, not when we went away obviously but um, local games were pretty good great especially yeah. the rugby league was big in town like the different schools would play each other that was pretty pretty popular don't have great memories of that we used to get smashed quite a bit um, <laughs> I guess so going back to the move thing um, Canberra was probably a good middle ground between Bateman's and Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Might have been a bit crazy to go straight from Batemans to Melbourne, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I um so I went yeah, I went Batemans Bay Jindabyne, which is about twenty thousand in winter and only about three thousand in summer. So that was a pretty I was there for about three or four years. That was a pretty sleepy existence, mm. but great. Uh, I was gambling heavily at the time, so I just sort of would chef, go to the TA the local bowling club in Jindabyne, then go back to work. That was kind of my life for three or four years. Ski a little bit. I snowboard a little oh, bit yeah. in, in wintertime. Mm. And then Canberra was, yeah. What was your best trick? Do a few uh, flips? No, nah, I couldn't do shit. I was, uh, I just <laughs> that's like me on skating. I can't do anything. I just love cruising around yeah, the skate park. I could go down the hill, no problem. That's just um, what fat guys say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cruiser. Uh, and then Canberra was obviously like 300,000 people the next step up. Mm. Um, I, I look back now, very lucky to have started in Canberra. Because I think if you come here now and you try and start in Melbourne as a first timer, it's fucking hard. Like you see, you guys see sign up yeah. nights, you run mm. nights where you know you're getting forty people there to sign up on the night, you and, know? and you're just performing to other comics. Yeah, There's not really yeah. punters there. So I didn't have that. I just had there was fifteen comics in Canberra. We'd all get a gig when we wanted it, and mm. it was Canberra people. Well, here especially, it feels like there's a lot of the the scenes almost 
it's still small, but it's big enough to support like a whole other side of it where people mm. who just can do open mics. Yeah. But then it's hard to get out of that. Yes. To yeah. the next level. Yeah. Because I guess there's just such a, like you were saying earlier, that there was a bit of a drop off rate of people, whereas maybe that's a little bit less now, mm. but people, it's harder to get to that next sort of jump. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you. You don't. It's hard to know how your material's going if you're just performing to other comics, and yeah. it's not the comics in the crowd's fault because they're thinking about their material. I know mm. if I'm in a crowd, just sitting out the back, and I'm on that night, I'm running through my head what I'm going to do. You're not really paying attention to what's mm. happening. So, and even subconsciously, you can kind of change what you're doing because of who's there and that. Like, mm. oh, I might not do that bit because comics have all heard it before. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff. When it would have absolutely smashed to the general public. Mm. <laughs> well, that I guess that's what, what's good about. Like, I went into state recently, and it was kind of a good experience to like perform to different people, and it wasn't really a chance of knowing anyone in the crowd, and mm. just did the stuff that I thought was best, and it, it was a nice little reminder of like, oh, these jokes actually are yeah. all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's totally true. The, the setup of the gig can change everything. Like when I said, I've, it took me about five or six years before I even went interstate away from Brisbane. But that first trip down, I felt like so comfortable. I can just do my material as I want to. Where in Brisbane, the way the gigs are set up, there's this kind of expectation. You've got to be like punchline, punchline really quick sort of thing okay yeah it's a, it's a bit of a whimsical down here you know? <laughs> that's what people were saying when it was funny it's faded away the past few years but when I first came people were talking about like the Melbourne style and storytelling remember that well yeah, yeah I, I never I just think you do whatever you think is funny hey like I yeah. never I never bought into any sort of particular style or mm. I, I never really know I, I guess Melbourne definitely has more because uh, there's a lot more opportunities to be to do clowning or you know improv especially yeah. so a lot of that translates into Melbourne stand up uh, where in mm. Brisbane I don't think there's as many yeah. improv troops or people doing clowning uh, yeah I, I guess yeah like like I said when I saw you performing it was like the, the subtlety you know where it's like you set it up and then the punchline come where's they're just a lot of in Brisbane they're trying to hit you over the head like really. Um, not literally, or if they get a few runs into them, you know, but, um, you know, you could tell by the pubs that had plastic cups. That, yeah, that, yeah. They were the rough ones. Yeah, well, maybe that's that rough thing where you've you got to just stay on top of them the whole time. Yeah, mm. yeah. And there was, like, a lot of gigs where they're having dinner at the same time. And, yeah. I mean, I love a feed, but <laughs> there's something just, like, that's... You go down a rank when oh, people yeah. are having dinner while you're trying to do your craft. Comedy you know? and food. No, thank you. Yeah, mm. yeah. You kind of like restrict. Well, you really split it up. You had the food. Yeah, and then- <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Dinner and a, dinner and a laugh. You know? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, so enough of the the background chat or the, the career background. Um, where else can we go with this? Um, you, you love your music, we've heard. A little bit, you told me. I love music. I, I, I own a bass guitar. Yep. But, and I got lessons when I lived in Canberra, but I've had the bass guitar since then. It's a beautiful uh, Ibanez. Nice. And it just sits in my cupboard at home. Uh, I would love one day when I have the time to learn and learn mm. properly. I, I learned uh, a little bit. Of, I, I was really into At the, at the Drive-In at the time when Great. I bought my bass. Oh, okay. 
Did you get into the politics side of it or just the, well, the, the audio? Did, believe it or not, I did go to the Sparta side of when they split <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, uh, right. I really liked Sparta. I saw Sparta live a couple of times. They were fantastic. Uh, Jim, the lead singer, I can't remember his surname, but he's real good. He's got some solid Sounds like you got pretty well. deep into it. No, no. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Because um, I've, I've admitted I, I get too deeply into stuff. I think we talked about my following less than Jake around Australia. <laughs> but so I'm like, what? You don't know every little detail about every member of the band. But um uh, and I was talking about um with Sula about um being like a, a young, pretty young bloke and, and realizing, you know, you're you're a bit cool, a bit different. Did you did you when did you start realise like your, your tastes are a bit different to everyone else? Or? I I don't know if my tastes would. Di- I had a good friend called James Knott and he subscribed to Fat Records. Oh yeah, uh, I was yes. a big, big yeah. Fan. So he Great. had all the stickers and we we started skating at the time and I just sort of followed him. He was kind of the leader of our group and what music we listened to and he'd bring in you know, like pulley and. Is um, this kind of for me? There was like. 99, 2000. That's yeah, sort of yeah, it would have yeah. been from when I was like 14, so 97. We're probably so. doing the same stuff a yeah. thousand k's away, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was uh, doing the rugby league too. Yeah. More of a front row though. <laughs> yeah, no effects. Like I really got into punk. My first ever CD was uh, Pennywise, Full Circle. Great. Yeah. Uh, still stands up now. Such a good album. Still bring that one out. Every now and again, yeah, mm. yeah, I love it. I can, it's, it's just, just, you can listen to it start to finish. It's perfect for that age and that era where mm. you just like, you need that where it's like they're angry and it's fast and aggressive and, yeah. and you're like and you got all this energy because you're 14 and yeah, you're yeah. drinking a lot of soft drink and <laughs> maybe some other substances starting to come in anyway, <laughs> but yeah I was like it's exciting but that that's a um, that's what I kind of meant not like oh I'm I'm really weird and individual but you do kind of like realize sometimes where everyone else is doing this and like your taste might be a little bit different Mm. or yeah yeah i think uh especially in in where i grew up it every every there was just groups like some people were into metallica had mates that were just really into metallica and that mainstream yeah heavy stuff that was out at the time because even that punk stuff did you find playing footy in that like that was a bit Weird to because yeah, I knew yeah, like two or yeah, three guys a who few, yeah a few of us listened to punk and played footy and skated but uh, most of the guys that we played footy with were Metallica yeah pretty, or uh, Nirvana uh, pretty straight down the yeah, line Foo Fighters stuff. obviously that, Nirvana ended and Foo Fighters had started yeah at that time that kind of mainstream alternative yeah sort of streak yeah there. but I still love like I still I I, st- I I like all sorts of music like we got right into hip hop then we had the mm. hip hop phase come through Bateman's Bay <laughs> Dre like all so, that can you tell some of the was that like the, early 2000s yes yeah that, yeah. that like that, 2001 was there any yeah. 2001, uh, yeah. local guys who you try to get get going like a Bateman's rappers and there's a couple of guys yeah. that were down there that would the um my friend Quentin's he was he he, he still does stuff now he was pretty solid uh, oh, sweet. frequencies his um his name he's, he's he was real good uh, yeah. so we went through that phase but I, I still liked like I remember I bought the album remember Len still my sunshine yeah, yeah. I bought that album you, you can't stop the bum rush and <laughs> I, it was that was a bit different, but I just yeah there was stuff that I just liked. What are the other Len songs like? Nah, <laughs> terrible. I did a tweet. I did a tweet once, and I said um, like worst decisions I made in my teens, and that was one of the thing. And they retweeted it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what's that? Yeah. Any publicity is publicity. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or good publicity. 
Um, but it is funny with that um, because I often with like Triple M and stuff. You know how it's like they'll have one like Mighty Mighty Boston. Yeah, but I actually yeah. bought the album. That's a great album. Yeah, and I often think like, why don't people? going deeper but then sometimes you just find that it is shit house the whole yeah. album and there's a reason they were just known for the hit you know? yeah, yeah. but then sometimes it is great so yeah. it's just case by case and then um, also in 97 I, you know 97, 99 I bought what I think is one of the greatest albums of all time is Red Hot Chili Peppers Californication okay. mm. uh, I th- good to give a, a young upcoming band a, yeah, a plug I hope I they think, um, and that, that opened my eyes to their whole back catalogue and uh, mainly John Frusciante as a guitarist who's just and back he's coming back which yeah. is pretty mm. exciting Dan Connell breaking the news here yeah. on I'm All Ears hey, I'm All Ears now you buddy are just <laughs> broken, <laughs> broken some pretty bloody come, huge news this thing for the, a few people washing their dishes while listening <laughs> come for the yarn, <laughs> come for the yarns about your life and background stay for the rock and roll <laughs> um, and what about uh, gigs did sort of um, bands ever come in that area or did you what was your nearest so Canberra was so, not far away? So. Uh, the Marlin in Ulladulla, which was about 50 minutes away, it had all the bands. So it would get like Body Jar and oh, uh, she had like bands like those Australian bands. Bateman's Bay was never really, they just sort of would stop at Ulladulla. The Marlin was a really good live venue and was mm-hmm. renowned for years to have great bands. So it was uh, a pretty sleepy little town, Bateman's Bay. I think. Well, bigger than Ulladulla, believe it or not. But oh, right. just some reason Didn't they have just, a venue? Yeah, well, it had... Had pubs and RSLs. Uh, we had the Channel V music bus came. Whoop. I cannot oh, okay. remember the name. They were a one-hit one, a, sort of a heavier band that played was the band that day, but it was Andrew G and James Matheson. Like, it was Prime. Was Java come? <laughs> uh, no, it was, no, was primetime like, music bus, and there was an all-in brawl in the crowd, which I got punched in the head a couple of times for. Oh, shit. And it never, it never existed again after that. Yeah, they, yeah they right. They cancelled it because their Next security day. guards got cleaned up and it was really ugly. Uh, over a mate of mine sitting on another guy's bonnet of his car. Ah, and it just geez. erupted into this crazy... All it's always ball. a good reason, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we don't condone any violence here at I'm All Ears. <laughs> no, except for the fight you and I had. Oh, yeah, name. but that was, that was for a good cause. Oh, yeah. I got no. You got the name. Oh, I can't even keep up with the lies on this. Oh, there's too many lies here. And the uh, the warped the warp tours used to come to mm, Ulladulla as yeah, well. Yeah, the I remember that. Warp tour never came to Batman's Bay, but Blink played one year, and we went up for that when I was about fifteen. I think Great. we went with a mate's mum, took us up, and she waited for us all day, and we went in and watched that. We were right at the back, but it was like because like Blink went out to a weirdly one of those bands that. Before a lot of American punk bands came out, they sort of started making the trek down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah they and they there's did. A, pick, I think like, there's a few places. that um, cracked Australia first. Mill and Colin as well. They, Mill and Colin were huge. Yeah, Ooh. when I was in year ten, that yeah. I think it Penny, just Penny, penguins and pioneers. Uh, Penny bridge yeah. pine. That's yeah. it. No, the yeah. album is Penny Bridge Pines. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, enough melancholy in our history. <laughs> but it did kind of just suit that um, the lifestyle, didn't it? The, yeah. the sun, surf, skating. Yeah. Yeah, well, especially like I guess Cal- California and Australia have got some similarities yeah. mm. with the surf yeah. culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's interesting, man, because um, good to have an ally in that whole sort of teenage punk scene. <laughs> Uh, and then I, my first big proper concert was Chili Peppers, though, in 2000. And I reckon it would, I was doing TAFE still, so it would have been like 2002. They played at the Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, stage at one end of the stadium, packed mm. like 50,000 people. 
Great. Rained the whole time, and I was just in the, like, probably 30 metres from the stage, just having the best time. It was just, first time I'd seen, like, a proper, like, John Frusciani's, like, mm. top guitarists of our generation, and he, it was just phenomenal. Like, uh. I appreciate, like, I tried to play bass, as I say, and I had mates that were good on drums, and I'd watch my friends that were in bands, and then seeing that on that scale with those speakers, I was just like, fuck. It's bloody hard, was, though. I had a crack at a few things and never... Probably short attention span didn't help, but <laughs> never actually. I had like meetings. Uh, I had ideas for band names and stuff. <laughs> One of them was Board of Education. That's good. B O A R D, very punk rock. But that's um, good. Ooh. Yeah, just never never came out. But always just a huge um, music fan. Yeah. But never, probably for the best, kicked on with it. <laughs> well, it is kind of interesting. Like I, I definitely found that thing of going to see local punk bands and being like, oh, this is great, but then being completely blown away by a big stage show with, mm. you know, that sound. Like I, I, I like I spent a long time in the Melbourne local punk scene and then I think it might have been like 25 before, before I saw a big concert outside of like Big Day Out and right. saw Bruce Springsteen. It was like, oh, wow, this is just something else. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a d- yeah. different thing completely. Yeah. Like it's like a show. Yeah, and you you appreciate like uh, it's, it's not so much now like, Bands that play live now can still get it pretty close to an album, but mm. you go see Springsteen, you go see Chili Peppers, any of those bands, you had to you had to sound good to make it. It was yeah. before you could really fix things up on tape or mm. in post production. They sound phenomenal. Like they, yeah, Kiedis isn't an amazing singer, uh, but he still he sounds like he does on the albums. Yeah, like he yeah. sing, it's just their sound. And Springsteen is another one where he's just it just sounds like you're listening to the, album. the albums. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I look, people ba- bag bands like U2, and, but they sound phenomenal live. They are, there's a reason there. I saw Midnight Oil in um, like 2004, five. I was li- in when I was living in Canberra. They came back, or maybe it was later than that, maybe 2007. There was a Wave Aid down here. Yeah, great. And they played that. So he was in Parliament, but they did warm-up shows in Canberra. Oof. And it was f- unbelievable. Like they hadn't played for a while, and I was like, "Fuck, this is why these guys were so." They still cheap. got it. Yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting you say that about like, yeah, stuff getting bagged and whatever. It's because like, when people find something that's a bit weirder, a bit niche, and you back it and support it, and then and you like, you tell yourself it's the best, it's great. Yeah, yeah. But then. These people who may not, like I said, go and search these little subgenres and local scenes and whatever, you know, they might only go to a stadium rock show once or twice a year because mm. that's they just want that song that they know, the, the great song, the hits, you know? Mm. Give us the hits. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was your sort of year this year doing comedy and all that sort of stuff? Was it a good year for you? You were over in Edinburgh for a bit. And- yeah, yeah. Uh- Good year, 2019. I didn't uh, travel. I travel. Yeah, I went to Edinburgh for the five weeks of the Fringe. That was really fun. Uh, the year before, I did like the India and Malaysia and mm. all that. So uh, it was less international travel, which I didn't mind. Uh, but it was it was really good. Uh, with sorry to interrupt you, but with that international stuff, how did leading into it? Did you kind of worry about like? Um, people getting what you're talking about and, and translation and anything oh, like that? Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. You um, Since I've done all that, I definitely write my jokes now to be universal. Like, I try and think of how an Edinburgh crowd would react to it as well. Mm. Try not to use too many Australianisms. And 
It's interesting uh, you say that because I've freaked out about it a bit where I'm like, oh, wonder how this would go in other places. Yeah. And you do sometimes get told, like, back yourself, be true to yourself. Mm. So I'll take your advice now. <laughs> Change everything. <laughs> Just think of what's going to work in New York. <laughs> yeah, it definitely opens your eyes up, uh, the travel yeah. and performing to different crowds. Um, yeah, it was a good year. I try and, try and clock somewhere between, like, I like to try and, do five gigs a week over the 12 months so I try and clock somewhere between you know 250 and 300 gigs yeah you are yeah. I've noticed you're a really really hard worker well I think yeah I think, like if, if you're doing a proper job you're doing five days a week aren't you so you want to be out on average at least doing that yeah yeah, yeah. obviously and there's some weeks where I'll do two and some weeks where I'll do seven but mm. just try and crack that sort of up around that 300 mark is normally the are you yeah. are you a pretty pretty big rider or because I I've struggled sometimes with a bit of rider's block but oh, absolutely of, yeah it's yeah. um it it's funny like you when you start like you've got all the ideas because it's fresh to you but you're not as good as you're not as good at putting them into a bit yeah so I really um I don't really give advice to anyone but um a bad like not a bad idea if you're ten years in would be go back to your books from two, three years in and rewrite bits that didn't work because you're much better at writing. Like I used to write, say five years ago, I'd write 10 jokes. Probably one of them would make it through and be in my show. Yeah. Where now I could write 10 and probably seven will make it through because you know what you're writing to, you know how you pause and your timing mm. and your inflections and things and you can work that out. Um, Do you feel like you can turn material around quicker? Yes. From like, yeah. you know, yeah. the idea to being a, a bit that you would do. Yeah, but also you kind of have to now. Like you, um, I finished in Edinburgh in September and then I registered my 2020 festival show in Oct- uh, like the end of September. So Ooh. I had three weeks home and I'd already had to put my title in for next year yeah, for all cr- the festivals. And I hadn't written one joke. I didn't have a minute of that show. Yeah, it's crazy. But you kind of have to churn like as soon as you get back just go hard and grind yeah and yeah you do that show and like this year mine was like my life story not life story but kind of a lot of stuff I've been through and it was pretty like emotional and I was like kind of proud of it and it's like I want to keep doing this but you then you got to do the next year yeah. one, you know it's like you got to move yeah. on you know new yeah. season mm. <laughs> put the old season behind you yeah I, I would love it uh, I thought about it years ago but it, it would never happen but if the festivals did, you did one year on, one year off. Mm. So all all the people that, you know, so say Melbourne had 600 okay. shows, it would have 300 shows and That's then 300 shows the next year. Yeah. So everybody's got the chance to write an awesome show because you've got two years instead of one. Mm. And then the, the crowds are filling up everywhere because there's only 300 shows available as opposed to 600. Yeah. So. But it's like like you say, like it's a in a perfect world, imaginary world sort of thing. Cause yeah. How would you police it? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, walk into a show. Oh, you did that joke last year. What are you? <laughs> yeah. You bet you're suspended or something. You're like, yeah, I think you bring in suspension. Red card system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Video round. Yeah. <laughs> I just did another physical thing. Where I'm <laughs> I'll gradually learn. Look, I'm new to this podcast game, but um, no, it's it's a good idea like that. I, that is one thing. Like I said earlier about um, people not knowing about the comedy industry and scenes and all this stuff it's stuff you learn and one thing I've found is it's crazy how it's all I didn't know it was all formulated like that where 
you've got almost like your seasons, like your, your comedy fests come at March, April, May sort of thing. Then it goes back to the, the comedy clubs and then mm. December, January, people are doing their kind of like trial shows. It's, it's almost like seasons, you know, it's very formulated and, mm. and there's ways to do gigs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of never ending, but uh, you're just constantly much in that be doing cycle. That than uh, putting some powdered eggs together. <laughs> oh, totally. Fucking snotty school kids. Yeah. In the snowy mountains. Yeah. And um, it's a, if you don't want to talk about, it, you don't have to. How did how did you find the the cruise ships? Because um, cruise ships, I've done a few. I've done uh, probably there's like Carnival P and O. I've only done I've done much more Carnival. Uh, they're interesting. Like they they you kind of spend five five or seven nights out at sea and you're doing the, the thing that I struggle with is the amount of material you need so oh really I did my first one when I was about seven years in and I told the guy that booked me I was like look I, I need a couple more years I, I don't have the material to be able to like I, I thought I did and then it's different out there like the material that works on land you kind of need real clubby short yeah, right. like you're saying in Queensland that sort of short because it's, it's funny you say that because I don't think of the people, the cliche people that I think of doing those. It's changed a bit over the years, but you know, you've got that that cliche image in your mind of, of uh, the type of comedian that'll do a cruise ship. I don't think of them as having heaps and heaps of different jokes. Mm, yeah. Well, probably one thing they're strong at that I've had to get better at is crowd work as well. If you're a good crowd work comic, you can you can have a very good time out there because they love that. Because yeah. you need about like five half hours. Five half hours, generally four. You can your PG one, which is to kids, mm. and I'm talking like two, yeah, two to tough. ten year olds. Is mm. that tough? Oh, it's horrific. Like it's um, they Cause, don't know. Because I just thought that recently. I'm not even. I don't think of myself as very crude or anything, but then I'm like. Few of these jokes, some few naughty words are creeping in, and mm. naughty premises. It's really hard to yeah. do comedy that isn't <laughs> even a little bit crude, you know. Mm. Yeah, and their their parents are up the back, and they put the kids down the front. So you kind of just like yeah. <laughs> so you kind of want to do something for both. You want to do something oh, for the parents tough. and something for the kids, but you can't be too rude for the parents stuff because the kids are in front of you. Some of them are fine. Like some of them are really fun. And you, you ask, there's some kids that give really funny answers. Yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, it's odd. The the adult ones uh, are much better. Yeah, so you need three different adult half an hour and then one PG half hour that you can do twice. Uh, and I've only, yeah. Is that obvious? I think I know the answer, but obviously because it's the same people yes, watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So P&O is a bit different. You, well, I don't know. No, no, I, having a crack at me yeah. over here. Like, <laughs> no, no, I generally... <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I was wondering. No, yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be like, so there's there'll be like two thousand people on the cruise, and the comedy room holds about four hundred. So yeah, yeah they, that's how they do and, it. And I just thought, yeah, I just thought, you can't like some people might go to one and they've quenched their thirst for mm. comedy and might yeah. not come back. So maybe you could redo it, but yeah, you just got to do what the employer wants, really. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. You're on a contract, and most people are on fourteen day cruises or ten. So you'll do. Half, and you'll get off your cruise from Sydney to like New Mia or you know Port Villa in Vanuatu, Fiji, and then a new comic will get on and cruise back home with them and do the same thing you did. Yeah, yeah. So, it's almost um, like other FIFO things like mining yeah, and stuff. Yeah. You, oh, it's good. You yeah. give up your life in a bit of a way. Yeah. So there's that the hard the hardness of it is one element, but also giving up your life for a bit. Yeah, 
yeah, the, and the, the money's good, but I tell you what, it, it makes your it, it makes your skin thicker. That's for sure. Like it's a good mm. toughener because, and and when I started doing them, I'd hear you tell people you're doing cruises, and you'd hear a bit of like, oh, cruises. Like, yeah, oh. yeah. I tell you what. You get out there and do one before you fucking say anything about it because they. Oh, are you sound diff- pretty fine. They, they are a different kettle of fish. No, well, and, I've, and I've actually changed my view on it because, like, you know, when you're young and opinionated and yeah. believe in stuff, and I was like, uh, you know, what a what a low thing to aim for, and now I'm like, sign me up. I want the security. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, hearing about it, the amount of material you need, I think yeah. I'm a fair way off it. Yeah, yeah. I've 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 sat at breakfast, and I've heard two blokes talk behind me about my set the previous night and how much they hated it that's that's the sort of stuff <laughs> do they know you were there or no, <laughs> just no. trying to rob it in that, yeah that's the sort of stuff you got to be prepared for um, good take the good with the bad well that is that's the stuff that I've heard because I've never been on a cruise ship but I've heard that about like you're stuck with the people and yeah. a lot of like hiding in cabins and... <laughs> you can eat you can eat up with the people or you can eat down with the staff there's all different eateries but it, Ninety percent of the time, it's really fun and fine. Like yeah. it's, um, it's just people yeah. from the burbs and people from country towns that go. That's their big thing. And on the, the yeah, like you're talking about like like shitting on that, and it's you know it's just like it's another way to use your craft. You've worked hard to get yeah. this far, and yeah, it's just another thing. So that's yeah. why I've changed my mind. Like the same with like where you, you know, like sometimes there's like some snobbery about suburban. I know I notice you like. You're happy to go anywhere, and mm. you've done like the roadshow tours, and because um, that can be a sign of being good at your craft if it works in the bush in the city, you know. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely something I thought about. Is you want to have all the strings to be able to do everything. Crowd work, something I'm still got a bit of improvement to do and working on. So, um, but because I've done a few um, like footy club gigs where you know the younger blokes wanted me and booked me in. And then the older blokes, the dads and all that, the the older generation, just up the back, arms folded, staring at me, not into it, you know, yeah, like yeah. giving me nothing. And it's tough like that. And, and the hard thing is they're in your line of sight, your eye line, yeah. where the young blokes are down below at the table. <laughs> yeah. So all you're seeing in your eye line is these upset blokes. And then they, they, and they don't have that filter, you know. They come up after and they're like, any any jokes, mate? And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When does the comedy start? And you know that yeah. that kind of like, do they make it in men sort of gags? You know? Yeah. Oh, especially when it's all men, all men, and they all think they're funny. They all all mm. men like that. They want to be. The or they're not open to newer styles. That they only know like Rodney Roode, yeah, Kevin Buddy Wilson, all that, yeah. all that like, you know, those jokes that get passed around on chain mail sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they they. They think they're probably the funniest in their group, but, and I, I've walked I've walked into like a pub before where I was doing a footy club gig, and it was like a movie. Like four blokes stopped all in high vis, looked at me, and one of them went, "Who's this cunt?" Like that, straight to my face. I was like, "Oh, g'day, mate." Like how mate, like that. Like our mate Huey's going. He's yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Like the. It's, well, they don't have. That's what I'm saying. Hundred percent. They don't have. A lot of them don't have that filter because, like, of course, like I get fucked forwards. But I've got that filter of like, I don't want to confront the person. Mm. I think that's mean to let them know. Yeah. I'm more of a talk behind your back sort of guy. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about uh, people eating with stand-up before. I did a gig in Daniloquin, which is just over the New South Wales. Ute Master, mate. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) New South Wales. And it was a 40-year anniversary of the club there. 
and the average age was 70. Oh, and brutal. the dance floor was like oh, 15 metres by 10. I was at the front of the dance floor and then the tables and chairs were in a, a horseshoe around the dance floor. Right. So the nearest person was probably 15 metres away from me. Oh, jeez. Right? They served food. As I was on. This right? is like the everything you could not want in as the one thing. I asked not to serve food. They started serving food around the room. So slowly, as people got their and food. And you could hear the clinking cutlery. Yeah, yeah, with their backs to me. I'm, I've got about, I had 20 minutes and I had. A, I was about 15 minutes in. I was like, oh, I'm nearly there. Just just get through it. Just speak clearly and do your job. And I could feel like, like the colors of the screen behind me like flashing through things and I'm like, oh. I haven't turned the overhead projector off oh. I had a quick look over my shoulder <laughs> and they were rotating through the people who died in the past oh. 12 months <laughs> oh. this is like the I was going to say trifecta this is like the and the your, your photo at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. check me out there as well yeah. oh god oh yeah. man I've had some absolute nightmares but, <laughs> and that's the thing about those though is they're bad but also you're like you just because you're like, this is what I do. This is work. Whereas sometimes when a gig's great, you're like, kind of like, is this right? Like, am I being paid for something <laughs> yeah. that's like... Because I've, I've had like, done a few, just show up at a backyard party. Yeah. They just wanted me there. I'm like, all right. <laughs> it is work because like, you know, i got Asperger's. So <laughs> I don't um, like sort of hanging out. <laughs> you're, you were talking about your year next year, your... You're due to have a kid next year. I as well. am. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, really good. I uh, when it first happened, like we, Laura and I had been uh, thinking about kids for a while, and that's your partner for the yeah, for the listener, yeah. yeah. Uh, Not just a random lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, she came out one morning, so I think I'm pregnant, and we kind of had this whoa, like mm, yeah. when you first hear it, it's like yeah, it's another person in your life that's there forever, and you have to look after them, you know. But now that time's gone on and we're six weeks away, it's, I'm really pumped, like really looking forward to it. We're all set up now. So, yeah, can't wait. And I, I don't know I don't know how it's going to impact comedy and all that sort of stuff, but um, that can all well, take a back seat. Now you can do dad jokes, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, so my, um, we don't know. If, you know, my son Steve said I'm hungry. I'm like, you're Steve, mate. You're not hungry. Uh, why are you all filing out of the room? Um, well, a lot of people have said to me that you're about to get a new hour of material. Yeah. But I don't know if I want to get into the dad stuff yet. Yeah. I might just keep doing weird stuff for a little while longer. Any tips from you, Goxy, for, for Dan? Don't do it. No, no. <laughs> it's too late. No, no, I'm not around. I, but see, I had mine quite young in my early 20s and it just, it changed everything. But you sound like you've got a really good experience with life and understanding things, which I didn't. And and you got a trade, you're a chef. So. <laughs> but the, no, it's like people talk about perfect things and there really isn't because there's pros and cons like, oh, it stuffed me up financially and I've <laughs> never traveled on anything, but it's fantastic. And, um, yeah. And like uh, the part of having it young, that was good is like being able to play with him and stuff. And cause my parents had me old and yeah, dad couldn't kick a footy with me or anything. Like I'm not here to rip on my parents. All right? <laughs> I just started this podcast cause it's like therapy, but, uh, <laughs> but no, nah, yeah. I just want to say best wishes and oh, yeah, thanks. it's really exciting. And, um, I'm pumped. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I look forward to it. Hopefully, you, well, like we're talking about with the career and that. Do you do you feel like no pressure or anything? But does it kind of like when you do things now? It's, 
like you said, it's another life you're worrying about. So it's like yeah, I guess uh, I, I haven't. I, I think it'll hit me more when it happens. Uh, but friends that have kids said, you know, you, it does make you work harder and mm. hustle a bit more. Yeah, uh, which, which is which is a good thing. Yeah, well, so like talking about scenes and stuff where it's like I don't know how I'm seen or anything in scenes, but like obviously everyone loves me. No, no, <laughs> but like having the kids, it's like. Well, I, I can't. When you're single, independent, you can just like, oh yeah, go and do a five, try things out. So I, I really have to make things worthwhile if I'm going to yeah. do it. You know, so that might something you might find. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. Like, I I will just plan around whatever's going on with the child. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you gonna um? For any NRL fans listening, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying um, this, but Dan's mate, a big West Tigers man. For any NRL, everybody <laughs> watches the NRL. Yeah, mate, the number one sport in the world. <laughs> yeah, they don't get fifteen thousand. <laughs> someone's showing up. Like West Tigers what? had twenty odd thousand members last year, mate. Yeah, yeah. if you cram them in the Leichhardt, it looks. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to say, is, is the is the kid going to have that um, put that? weight of expectation put on them to support oh, West Tigers or <laughs> yeah most likely most likely hey it might come good by then yeah <laughs> well it, yeah it can't get any worse what was what was 05 like mate did you love that the... 2005 was one of the great years <laughs> uh, can you Chili, run it Chili, Chili, Chili Peppers released Stadium Arcade <laughs> West Tigers won the comp oh the double hey? <laughs> boom boom what a year was it? Was that within a few months of each other? Like, <laughs> you're yeah. riding Stadium Arcade all the way to the Premiership. How can this year get can any you, better? <laughs> can you do a, a replicated commentary of the the Paddy Richards try for us? <laughs> no, that was the Benji flick for anybody to, yeah. wondering what Coxie's talking about. You remember yeah. that, wouldn't you, Sir? Yeah, I was absolutely wondering what the hell you were talking. <laughs> Speaking of the NRL, uh, I don't know if there's any NRL fans listening to this, but um, of course there is. I, mate. I think Dan Connell is the only man from Bateman's Bay not to be a coach in the NRL. Is that <laughs> You've got a bit of a breeding ground there. There is now, yeah, yeah. Is it? It's it, um, one eighth of the <laughs> yeah. one in eight NRL coaches are from Bateman's Bay. I think. <laughs> it's true. Look at that. Yeah, it is true. Um, Brad Arthur coached Bateman's Bay and lived there for four years. Mm. He's not from there, but he, he did coach the Bateman's Bay. Hey, some Tigers. of these are... And Adam O'Brien, the new Newcastle coach, is, is born and raised Bateman's yeah, Bay. Some gotcha. of these, um, you know, if you're, like, you're an English cricketer or something, like that's four years is heaps to have lived there, you know? like True. That's a long time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd say. <laughs> did, yeah. Fond things about... The... And it's a new Knights bloke, is, isn't he? Yeah, Adam O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. And uh, do you how how did you go with footy? Did you win any, win any grand finals or footy? We won under eights grand final. Uh, it's back a bit. Isn't lost it? under fourteens, uh, and I had a, a broken leg for two years in between that, so I missed a couple. Missed, I think I missed under elevens grand final. Disappointing. Because I've played. Uh, sorry to bring it back to me, but um, <laughs> this is what it's all about. Um, <laughs> I've I've played a lot of different sports in my life and a lot of no success. For the <laughs> the closest I got, we got uh, I played American football and I played for two years in Brisbane. And the second season I played, we got to the the final. Brisbane Bowl. It's called Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl. Yeah, because <laughs> we got the sun up there. None of the other states. Got, <laughs> even though it's like forty here at the moment. Anyway. And are you playing a bit of touch now as well? Touch footy. Yeah. A few comedians. Like, yes. Yeah. Huey's yeah. Heroes. We play. Although Mondays we, we're not back till February now, but we played 
about four different seasons this year. It's good to see uh, State of Origin. Um, what do you call that? New South Wales, the, put, putting aside the yeah, yeah. Mm. allegiances because yeah. there's a few Queensland boys there. Yeah. It's made doing it's me made. proud. I'm yeah. a Queensland boy, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's predominantly Queensland. It's TRL, so it's Touch Rugby League. Mm. Uh, men's Hawthorne Monday nights. Come watch us if you ever get a chance. It's um, poetry in motion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fun. I play Monday nights and then I pay for it. My knee. He's absolutely rooted, so I limp around until Thursday, uh, then it comes good, then I'm fresh for Monday to go. Are you another, um, could have been anything if the knee didn't blow out, guy? No, it wouldn't have been anything, but my, <laughs> knee, my knee is definitely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> cool. Um, w- uh, we might wrap it up there. Goxie, what do you reckon? Sounds good, Sally. Um Anything to plug next year? You've got some shows coming up? Yeah, I would just say check out my, I'm doing a show at all the festivals. Uh, or most of them called Cheers Big Ears that's my new show getting nice ready one. for 2020 oh the ears um, theme is popular around here yeah. I'm all ears Cheers Big Ears that's yeah. great that's two <laughs> uh, got a podcast called Taking It Easy uh, episode 50 comes out uh, by no, the time this comes out there'll be 50 episodes for you to get on to sorry no rivalry podcast <laughs> plugs, no no I'm Weren't just you on that podcast a little while yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason he's here because I wrote that into the yeah. contract <laughs> you've got to do a um, yeah re- one for one yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm all ears and uh, Instagram Facebook Daniel Connell Comedy get around that if you He's got some great skits too. I like his skits from a few years ago. Yeah, it's a little while ago, but they're up there for a look. That's why I moved down here. I wanted to be in them and then he stopped. (laughs) Nah. All right, um, thanks heaps, mate. Um, You're one of my faves, I, I think. Ben as well. Let him speak for himself. Um, I, I was going to say I did. I remember seeing Bob Franklin a few years ago, <laughs> and you were supporting, and you did a, a joke about Skybus TV <laughs> that I think of any time I see a Skybus. So, full credit to you, mate. Thanks, mate. I'll have to bring you that do. Back. There is a few things, references that remind me of some of your bits, and that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I the the women looking for the ring in the in the grass. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Good times. Mm. All right. Thanks a lot, mate. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on. We appreciate it. Here's another. We're shaking hands. Shaking There's hands a, yet another visual thing. That's we'll, a good one. We're saving up for a camera. Honoured to be your first guest. If, right. this, if this actually ends up being your first episode, not, not zero, 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 <laughs> zero. Yeah. Uh, Goxie, you got anything coming up? Um, we didn't really talk much about just, us this episode. Yeah, I do uh, cameos. You know, those shout-out videos. How's that been going? Pretty good. I've done 200. 200 so, Yeah, that's not too bad. Oh, $20,000 $20, a pop. That's pretty good money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Didn't you see my limo that I brought in? <laughs> yeah, if you want a shout-out video, uh, I can say most things that you want. Don't make, not too quick or that'll get me in trouble with the law or anything. But yeah. And you, Solo, anything to plug? Um, no. <laughs> Just buy a Melbourne Demons membership. Yeah, get on board for next year. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not doing the festival next year. I'm going to take a year off. So, um, but uh, just come say good day. Um, Instagram, Facebook. He's, he's all confident that. that it'll be back for 2021. Oh, that's, gonna, just that's a year my on. big year. That big year, <laughs> 2021. Um, well, once this is up online, you can like and subscribe, all that sort of stuff, Goxie. Yeah, um, you're looking after that, not me. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much again, Dan. Thanks, Goxie. No worries. Cheers, mate.